Welcome to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. On this week's episode, the guys talk all about interest rates hitting 8% and what that might look like for the market. All while enjoying Town Branch True Cask Bourbon Whiskey. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. As always, my name is Charlie Sardelli, and I'm here with... Jameson Amaros. Oscar Barra. And uh, sorry about that little week, week, uh, week off that we took there, guys. But, uh, you know, it's, we're back for you. And you can catch us every week on YouTube at Living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective. And Apple Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you can find a podcast, that's, that's where we'll be for you. Um, but we all had a productive week off. You know, we were all working on some real estate stuff. And we know mm-hmm. that some stuff happened uh, over that last week and a half that didn't really make too many people happy. Right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and what might that be that hasn't happened for the last 20 years? We hit a number we haven't seen in 20 years when it comes <laughs> to interest rates, boys and girls. <laughs> we, hit that, we hit that dreaded. I keep going back, dude. Like, I think it was, we were in the office. So it had to be a year and a half ago mm-hmm. at this point. And we were talking about rates because they were coming out, yep. right? And we're like, man, everybody's saying, like, we could hit 5%. No way, <laughs> we're not going to hit 5%. And then we hit 5%. It's like, well, we're not going to hit, like, 7%. And, and now all of a sudden we've been we've been at seven percent since I mean shit dude what last September mm-hmm. so when I, a year when I got in the industry we were refinancing people out of seven percent mm-hmm. yep. and, and um, it just you know came down from there and it, it maintained around five five and a half and I was like man what an era to live through like seven percent eight percent interest rate that's crazy <laughs> and that's when purchase prices were low right eighty thousand you can yeah. still find an eighty thousand yeah. dollars house in thirty thousand dollars yeah and, home. And, and and that makes sense right right you hear people say well my first house i bought with 12 percent interest rate back in god knows when yeah and but the house price was like twenty thousand right. dollars exactly mm-hmm. yeah. now it's like we're at eight percent and the home prices are seven to eight hundred thousand <laughs> yeah. dollars right that is nauseating yeah. horrendous yeah i think yeah uh, i think right now on average it's almost twelve hundred dollars a month more expensive than it was two years ago wild damn wild. so well and, yeah. and guys as you know we don't just talk about real estate on the podcast on this podcast we also review and drink some some great bourbon because we talk about real estate <laughs> that is why we review and exactly. drink the bourbon exactly i couldn't do this sober no uh, no, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, and, and it's, it's funny too, because, you know, a lot of the time you find yourself sitting around talking to friends and yeah. it's usually over a glass of bourbon that you're sitting talking about, oh man, I have so much equity, right? I don't, oh, I don't know if I'm be able to buy it. Am I going to rent? And it's, I think it's just, there's a cohesion to it. There is. Yes. Yeah, and, and it goes well, you know, and, anytime and, you want to have tough conversations, a lot of times there's a social lubricant that needs to be applied. Mm-hmm. And in our case, we just, you know, we know Happy we talk about a lot of stuff on this podcast, but if you guys want to join in, we know it's a lot. A lot of it's heavy. It's very information dense. Some of it can be, um, you know, I don't want to say depressing, but um, uh, interesting. A downer, hard, hard to swallow. Yeah, yeah, it could be yeah. a downer. So yeah, hopefully, you guys, downer. if you're listening to it, pop this on and uh, pour yourself a glass of bourbon. And I think we have Town Branch, which Town Branch Oscar was was nice enough to pick up. And I know you did some research on it, man. So. I'll um, pour if you want to talk. Yeah, go for it. I mean, it, uh, I did a, a quick brief when I picked it up, and then a quick brief here. Um, it's the first distillery it's a that cool uh, it's was like eighty laws bottle. Yeah, that was built. Yeah, they are. It actually is. Uh, it looks like eighty laws. Yeah. Um, in the last hundred years, is that what we that mm-hmm. we saw? Um, a distillery built. The first distillery built since um, Prohibition in Lexington, Kentucky. 
Um, the, the owners uh, go back to the 1700s. They're Irish immigrants. Um, they started with beer. And then when Prohibition started, they shut everything down. And uh, the family members that uh, brought it back, it was just, it was, it was in ruins, uh, just like, what was it, Weller or whoever yeah. brought it? Oh, yeah. And uh, mm -hmm. they brought it back up. They built it, they built it, and they started with beer again. And in 2008, they started distilling. And in 2012, they launched Town Branch. Yeah. Well, and, and, and what I thought was one really of them has cool. the PhD, right? Yeah, yeah. It was it it. What was it? It's a, the son of the original owner has a PhD in solid state fermentation, which is basically like fermenting without any liquids in it or very low liquids. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about it. Oscar was like, imagine imagine talking to your parents about that. Hey. I'm going to college for to figure out how stuff ferments and, you know. <laughs> right. And, and that's how you sell it to them. You're yeah, not going right. to be like, because I'm going to distill later. <laughs> right. But if you're going to do it, hell, I'll drink some bourbon that someone has a PhD in. Yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah, they're, they're going to put a, a, good, a good amount of thought behind it, not just, hey, let's distill, hope for the best, and barrel that shit. Well, and I think the cool thing about this one, and, in, 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 you know, specifically for the town branch, this is their true cask. Mm -hmm. So... Um, their true cask is actually a blend of two different mash bills. Um, so this is kind of like their, it, it's called cask strength. Um, but what's interesting about it, if you look up this bottle on their website, and it'll say like proof, and it'll basically say, it depends on the batch. You're going to get what you're going to get. Yeah, they don't know. This one's uh, 113. 113. Yes. So it, it's a hot one. And, and I'll tell you what, it's... It's been interesting for me, like I said, you know, I, I, I've been drinking bourbon since I was a bartender and all that kind of stuff, but to actually be able to taste the differences and go through them and then also develop a palate or a taste for bourbon has, is, is incredible. And I kind of got smacked in the face with it this weekend because I had a buddy come visit me from Colorado Springs and stay and I uh, gave him some of that uh, whiskey cartel, the executive. And I was like, man, this is one of the smoothest bourbons you're going to have. I, I think it's great. You know, the flavor is phenomenal. It, it's complex and gave him the whole spiel. And then I poured him some and I gave him the sip. And he took a sip of it and he was like, whoo, you could start a car with this stuff. And like, that was a moment for me where I just stopped and I was like, oh, I drink bourbon. Yeah. <laughs> I, you, I, know? I, you know, and it's, it's something that you just, it, it's, it eases into your life. Yeah. You're not like, bam, I'm a, bur I'm a bourbon drinker. Let's go. It's just mm -hmm. like, you drink, you drink. Next thing you know, you're like, well, I, I am, I am a bourbon yeah. drinker. Yeah. Well, and it's, and it's, and because I mean, everybody asks on the rocks or yeah, yeah, yeah. mix. No, just, and this is, a, this is bottle 44, you know, wow. for yeah. us. <laughs> so yeah. I wanted to point this out just in case people are newer to, to whiskey. When we talk about cask, cask strength, right? You guys say that it varies. Mm -hmm. So it can vary between 50% and 75% mm -hmm. alcohol by volume. That's number one. Number two is it's non chill filtered because what they do, so in a normal, bourbon right if you guys were to drink basil hayden's like the tenure we had last year and you notice that like all of their barrels or all of their their bottles are labeled at 42 percent every single one is 42 percent and it's because the distiller will add water to the mixture to bring it down to a specific abv or alcohol by volume mm -hmm. nothing's done here so to you guys point when we say cast strength it literally means they distill it they don't add anything to it. Mm -hmm. It's purposely done to be a higher alcohol uh, by volume, higher proof, which gives it a, a more distinct flavor. They just kind of let it interact with the wood in the oak mm -hmm. barrels uh, and they use different mash bills, but they don't do anything. So when you do, when you do a no chill filter, it's purposely not introducing any sort of 
exterior <clears throat> factors into that barrel, which mm-hmm. is why it can vary between like this bottle is 113 proof, mm-hmm. right? You can go to the store and buy another one right behind it. It could be 115. Right. It could be 107. Um, Copper Sky here in Longmont. Yes. Those guys are, are huge on that. Uh, 147 yep. proof, 141 proof. Yep. I mean, they say high proof. Yep. Great, great bourbon too. Yeah. And again, uh, for the first timers out there, Basil Head is probably one of the best to start mm-hmm. with. Larceny, we said high weeded, but uh, Basil Head and a lot of the purists in bourbon hate Basil Hayden because of that. Like, don't give me that watered down shit. It's good bourbon. Well, it, yeah, it, it, it tastes good. Yeah, but it, yeah. it's funny that you say that because we had the we had the ten year, and Jameson and I were so excited at the beginning of the episode. We were like, oh, it sucks that Oscar's not here to try it. And at the end of the episode, we were like. It's good that Oscar wasn't here <laughs> yeah, to try it, yeah. <laughs> especially for the thoroughly price of the bottle, you know? Thoroughly um, disappointed. Uh, the, the one with the purple label, that one's good. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think that's. Is that their high rye? Uh, no, I think it's the one that's uh, finished in like a pork sherry, cask or pork, something sherry like that. Yeah. Cask or okay, something like that. okay. Yeah, this tenure though was meh. Yeah, meh. yeah. An eighty proof tenure. I'm, I'm very hesitant to buy Basil Hidden now. Yeah. yeah, I used to buy it all the time. I know, same. Now I'm very hesitant. I don't. I'm gonna leave it as a memory that I really liked it. Yeah. Because if I, you know, drink it now, I'm like. Yeah, yeah. that's 44 bottles of, bear, of uh, bourbon. Previous. 44 <laughs> bottles of bourbon <laughs> in the wall. Yeah, yeah baby. Right? 44 bottles outside of our social drinking. That's a lot of bourbon. Right. That well, is a lot. And, and on top of that, it, it's what, what's cool about this bottle, too, is, you know, we talked about in the past why Kentucky tend to be a, a, a premium spot to yeah. do bourbon whiskey. And that's because limestone, it's li- yes, the water's limestone filtered, right? Correct. And that's that's one reason why they picked uh, where they where they reopened their distillery at. And I think it's cool that they have their hand in both brewing and distilling. Yes. I, I think that's a I, – I, I'm interested to see if that adds into any complexity of flavor because I feel like brewing beer and, and that is totally different mm-hmm. from distilling. than distilling. But at the same time, you're trying to learn how to pull out notes right. and oh, generate chemistry. flavors. Yeah. It's chemistry. Both mm-hmm. of them are chemistry, and, and you have to know what you're doing. The difference is when you're brewing, you, you know, bad batch. You screw up distilling – you know, blow yourself up. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Catch something on fire. Well, not only that, for a lot of these guys, you know, that's that's years of right. Of work yeah, and then you you brew some beer and it's it's good to go. Yep. Mm-hmm. This I mean, you're you're gonna wait at least two years. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people do brewery like they sell home brew kits. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it takes a little bit of science to learn how to do home distilling. You know, so it's, well, you can moonshine it. it yes. Yes. Go blind as they, shit. As, as the start goes, you know, for bourbon and whiskey, just do it do it in your backyard and some copper <clears throat> copper stuff, but been open it's been sitting for a while let's go right. ahead and get a cheers in first sip cheers boys cheers guys oh, let's see here oh. what we got i will say just right off the bat 113 proof that that nose is is light it is um, just yeah, you gotta breathe in pretty deep to get yeah. any sort of burn on the nostrils let's see can we do the can we do the nose in no <laughs> uh, the, the guy yeah, we, he he swirls okay. it around it's a little he, easier and he says you 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 can't just do this Stick, Stick your, your nose, nose in, in it. and you say, hey, hello, how you doing? What's going on? I'm like, dude, just fucking <laughs> smell it and tell me it. what's up. Well, and I, I like hello. watching people. I, it's I, me. You know, as, we, as we're oh, doing this, more, looking at social media and stuff like that, obviously my algorithm is tailored towards bourbon and whiskey. And it's funny. I always love watching people because they'll take it and they'll be like, let me smell it through my right nostril. And let me smell it through my left nostril. I, I think I'm, I'm a, a, a deviated. Sure I'm, I'm right nostril dominant. <laughs> yeah, right. I have a deviated septum, so it's like you get. It all nostril. goes to the left nostril. You get no matter what. Nostril, that's all you get, it, man. If I'm breathing through my right nostril, is it going to the right side of my brain? Is it like yeah. this? Creative, is, this creative? is my creative side. <laughs> logical. Mm. The creative side wants more bourbon. The logical side stops. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I mean, honestly, just off the off the the notes, the burn, 
doesn't take away from what you can smell in the bourbon. Yeah. Like, I'm definitely getting caramel. Uh, more wheat heavy, too. If, yeah. you, if you swirl it, yeah, you get a lot more a lot caramel. More caramel? Yeah. Okay. I, I, that's what I'm... Getting. I mean, which would make sense, because as these age, oh. that's the breakdown of the sugars when it hits that barrel, mm-hmm. and yeah. those, I forget, lept, lepticides or whatever it yeah. is that are re- produced well, and released. And it's almost so. as if... Maybe because it's it's fall and I, it's on the brain. I went to a uh, corn maze the other day, but oh man, I'm on my third definitely, pumpkin patch. This not, right? oh, I'm definitely getting I'm done. It's wheat, yeah, like very yeah. very grain heavy mm-hmm. on the front end mm-hmm. for sure. All right, well I'm yeah. gonna and I mean Jameson, you mentioned earlier the legs. <laughs> yeah, know, seriously, this <laughs> is the this is the Marilyn Monroe of yeah, bourbon right now. It, it sticks. Yeah. Look at that. It's very. Th- I mean, dude, it's viscosity is thick. Yeah, mm-hmm. which you, you would assume that it's going to be sweet then, because yeah. that's got to right. be sugars that are yeah that or, are kind of leading to thick, that viscosity. Yeah. You know, drinking down right. and yeah. Let's see. And I mean, just the color in general. It's. Like I mean, can you look at this? This is uh, oh well, it's not it's the cleanest glass, but if you yeah if you if you do a close up on this, if you can, Charlie. Yeah. It's a. Uh, it's pretty cool. You could see them. Oh, it kind yeah, of looks is... like the the uh, the top of a Maker's Mark bottle. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Color's well, great on it too. Oh yeah, I, I yeah I love the color on this. Like I I again I think it's the age, but I like the darker. Yeah. I, I like the dark the darker color. It usually mm-hmm. adds to more complexity with. The Do flavor. we know how long this is aged? Mm-mm. No, because it's, it's got to be at least mix. three, right? Yeah. Well, it's yeah. It has to be at least three. And so, it's a blend. So yeah. yeah. All right. Well. All right. Well. I already I, took my sip. Yeah. Get that sip in. I'll uh. I'll start that. Although the caramel notes were there on the on the nose, uh, Brennan for me was very earthy. So I'm, I'm going with like, you know, maybe green wheat. Mm, you know. Yeah. See, I, I'm I getting, get a little charcoal on the back end too. I'm getting a lot of lot of spices. Yep. At yeah. the front. At the front, which then and, definitely goes into that green. It is fire, but it's not. <clears throat> no, 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 it's actually if very. You shot, if you took it as a shot, maybe it'd be. It would yeah. Be, but I mean, even at that, it, it's like the the burn on the on. The, and I'm sorry, buddy, who Evan, you came up. I'm sorry that I'm talking like this, but like the burn forward isn't that bad. No, it's it definitely sits on your tongue, and it, it's almost. I feel like, and I want to look this up. It feels a little rye heavy. Because yep. you almost get that sour quench yep. on your tongue where it kind of retracts your, yeah, your taste buds a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it makes your taste buds mm-hmm. feel tight. Yep. Um, the lingering is kind of peachy. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of peachy flavor. I mean, definitely sweet. Mm-hmm. Definitely the sweet linger with a little bit of that burn in there. Yeah, I get the earthy up and, front like Oscar's talking about. The charcoal yeah. for me is kind of on the back end, but mm-hmm. it's sweet. Like I can still get mm-hmm. the caramel. I think that's probably because I'm smelling it at the same time. But yeah, I get that kind of peachy fruity like dried apricot and aftertaste my wheelhouse is usually darker leathery tobacco-y and i don't hate this right now no i think because it starts with that that's how that's how it Mm -hmm. it it welcomes you in with a little tobacco and green you know and then here's a cigar enjoy my peach chair (laughs) yeah exactly having a cigar and palisade hey right yeah yeah it is funny that you mentioned the whole your buddy comes up and you're Mm -hmm. like oh you should try this This is really good beginning oh my god what is this yeah so my mom and my dad are the same way and I got my mom into bourbon through old fashions. Okay. And now she's graduated to just drinking it on the rocks, like oh, wow. or just on a rock, like uh, like a normal person. We better get a picture of your mom and, with a bourbon on the oh, rocks. Yeah. I'm well done, Miss Amrose. Well done. And uh, and my dad, he's been a beer drinker forever, right? He mm-hmm. likes his IPAs and all that kind of stuff. And he'll drink old fashions, like he'll drink cocktails. But I'll give I'll give my mom, you know, she'll come over to my house, hey, what bourbon do you have? I'm like, oh, like this, for example. Mm-hmm. She'll give her an ice ball, pour it on there, let it sit for a minute. She'll sip, she'll go, oh man, this is really good, blah, blah. Here, Luis, try this. And my dad will try it, and he'll just go, 
<laughs> and I mean, you guys don't know, but like my dad's, you know, six foot Puerto Rican, 210 pounds. My mom's all five two, 120. And she's sitting there drinking this bourbon like, yeah, this is actually fantastic. And my dad's like, oh, can I get some water? Please? Well, and it just, it just goes to show you that like, again, we talked about earlier, if you get a taste for it, right. if you, yes. if you do drink it, yeah. then it becomes enjoyable. And, and like, that's like the, it's an acquired thing. taste much like us. Yeah. Uh, yes. mm. But it is, it is definitely something where. Like with bourbon, you can tell who drinks it and who yes. doesn't immediately. Yeah. Like there's no question. Oh, I drink bourbon. Here you go. Yeah, try this. And just watch Let me know it. Or, <laughs> you know, now, just turn I mean, before <laughs> I would go to a bar and, you know, ask for bourbons and the bartender just kind of, hmm, he's got a sm what, what's the word? Sm smug. Smug. Yeah. yeah. Smugs you. Um, I went I went to a happy hour with um, one of the industry friends of mine and we went down to my neighbor Felix and it's, it's yeah. Yeah. tequila, right? Mm -hmm. So I asked for um, a mezcal old fashioned. I've, I yep, had nice. one at Blackbird, and he made me one. It was actually pretty damn good. Yeah. Uh, because I have a mezcal at home that tastes like fucking rubber hose. It's nasty, <laughs> like acetone. It's gross. So I was like, mm, maybe I'll come home and make one. It's still gross. Anyway, we talked. We started talking about bourbons. He goes, I'd rather do it with bourbon. I was like, yeah. So so would I. And I said, you know what? What bourbons are back there? And then what what's what's your go to? And he started like rambling on some pretty commercial shit. And I was like, hmm. Well, and then I started driving, I was like, oh, well, actually, you know your stuff. Here, let, let me pour you something good and neat, right? I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was like, I felt pretty proud of that. Yeah, moment. like this man knows what he's talking about. <laughs> Speaking of, if you do want a really good Mezcal old-fashioned, L5 up in Highlands. Mm. I'm oh, sorry. I've been there, but I've never had their... Dude, if you do, and, if it's you do, so good. Is I, it? I went to... My uh, neighbor Felix wasn't bad either. Yeah, it was was a, L5 was money. A Mezcal with a, with a good... Light wrap cigar, like a Nicaraguan mm -hmm. wrap cigar. That a good mezcal, though. Yes. I mean, because yeah. mezcal. Oh yeah, what, it can the be, stuff I have yes. at home. Yeah, it uh, can you be guys trash. come visit the house. Uh, I'll, I'll give you some, and you're gonna no. like, mm. no. just, just, <laughs> just taste it, man. <laughs> um, but it tastes no. like a rubber hose. Like, what is hey, that? did you what? remember when I talked about the word? Here, try a sip, just please. Try this. I'm trying to get rid of it. I don't want to throw it away. You know, um, what's that place over off of Downing and like Alameda? Is it the Bluebird, Blackbird? Black. That's the first time I ever had a a mezcal old fashioned, and yeah. they're, they're they're really good too. Oh yeah, yep, absolutely. Well, guys, as we sip through this 113 proof, we're we're gonna need it for today's topic. Cause like Whew. we like we like we said at the beginning of the episode, in the for the first time in 20 years, and you're seeing all the headlines, you're looking at all the all the the, the what's the word? Um, can't say gaslighting, but just everybody running around. It seems like it seems like everybody's on fire, right? Like, yeah. That meme where the dog's sitting at the table and everything's on fire. This is fine. Everything's fine. Right? Everything's yep. fine. And that, um, what's funny is that we, we, we talked about, uh, you know, me refinancing people out of mm -hmm. that. It, it was literally 20 years ago. Yeah. It's, it was it, 2001 when I started. It's incredible. In mortgage. It's incredible. Wow. And, and, you know, we, we talk about it all the time about, you know, kind of the perfect storm that has led us to this point between the pandemic, then the low, the low interest rates that got us everybody into a home and now mm -hmm. we have strict inventory and it's it's almost a thing where you know for me it's i don't know about you guys but when i still have acquaintances that aren't really in the in the real estate industry or know very much about it so it's amazing to me how and again I, this this word comes with negative connotations but i mean it just strictly by the definition but how ignorant the general public is mm -hmm. to interest rates mortgage mortgages and and home buying in general right and you know you you have conversations with people, or at least I have, where they start telling you, "Oh, I got approved for this amount, and I want my payments to be this much." And then you go, "Wait a second. So 
do you understand that you just got approved for this amount of a loan at, a, at an 8% interest rate? So you got to account. It's almost 10% of that loan is, is almost what you're, you're, you're going to be paying for your mortgage. And they go, what? What do you mean? I, I can't just make my payments this. It's like, no, it's not, it's not how it works, right? And then it goes into, you start understanding why, why we're sitting in a room that's on fire and everybody's going, this is fine. Mm -hmm. Because we've just been barraged with all this information about the housing market is terrible and this yep. is tanking. And then you get 8% interest rates and everybody goes, oh, well, I'm just going to wait. Okay, but waiting is, is going to hurt you if you're able to do it now. Well, the waiting is a, a very short-sighted way to think about it, right? Mm -hmm. Because that, there's a lot of assumptions that people make when they say, well, I'm just going to wait for rates to go down because they're assuming that the rest of it is going to stay static or yep. that like when you talk about the housing market, you're really talking about affordability. And I kind of want to delve into kind of the three things throughout this podcast that, <clears throat> that affect affordability. Most people just think home prices, yeah, right? But it's also interest rates and it's also wages, mm -hmm. right? And then within those three categories of home prices, interest rates, and wages, there's other factors that affect all of those things. So if you go to home prices, they're affected by interest rates, but they're also affected by inventory. And inventory is affected by the history of lack of building for the last 15 years. If you go to wages, that's being affected by unemployment rates. If you go to housing prices or if you go to mortgage rates, that's affected by economic uncertainty mm -hmm. and why everybody's flooding to the 10-year treasury and why that gap's so wide. So there's a lot of nuanced things and people just tend to assume I'm going to wait. And in my head, if rates go down, things will be cheaper. Well, and the yep. thing is that you jump from one dumpster fire into the other because right. right now it's like, oh, shit, 8%, 8%. Well, let's wait till next summer when rates go down. Now you're in crap. No inventory. We're going to – and prices are going to start climbing up. So where's the savings, right? right? And that's a conversation I had a lot this weekend. Um, I have a good friend that, that wants to buy, and she said, I, I think I'm going to wait till the spring. I said that if you're, if you're solely basing off of interest rate – maybe that's a good idea. I said, but understand right now, if you get a lower price, I could still get you something close to what you would pay in the summer with a 2-1 buy down and you get the best of both worlds. So there's ways around it. And I know, again, it, it's, it, it's redundant as hell, but knowing a good realtor mm -hmm. can explain that to you. Yeah. And again, right now, all my businesses need to not want to. Yeah. So, you know, we'll talk about the rate, but it's not, it is on fire, but it's well. We have a, we have a get we have an esteem. I think you I think you I think you brought up a phenomenal point there, especially in this market. You know, we often get how are people buying? Home prices are ridiculous. What are you talking about? It's going to tank, and, and people can't afford homes right now. But again, it's there's there's wants and needs, right? And you know, Great during song, the, by the way. during the <laughs> pandemic and and previous years, we were in the want category. People go, oh, I can do this. I want to do this. I'm going to. Now I feel like this this you know amalgam of inventory prices and interest rates has created it into a I need to market. You know how many buyers are on the bench right now mm -hmm. just waiting? Oh yeah. Just oh, yeah. wait till what next spring. Well, wait till are, next spring. It's going to be mayhem. We had we had a we did the episode talking about the when, when we went over like the millennial numbers and it was something like 130 136,000 or more or what was it that kind of number that people are renting that make over no it was 50-something percent of millennials make over $100,000 and are waiting mm -hmm. to buy a home. And it's like, yeah. where, again, I get it. It's, hey, interest rates are high. My monthly, my monthly payments are going to be high. Yes, absolutely. But think about the long term. Because like you said, when, we, when it comes back down level, you're going up against 
Okay, let, let's <laughs> let's take worst case scenario. You said twelve hundred dollars, correct? Twelve hundred dollars more now. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's take the twelve hundred dollars. I'm a numbers guy, and I try to make sense in in the easiest way to digest this. Let's say that your mortgage is twelve hundred dollars more now. You take on that responsibility if you can afford it. Mm -hmm. um, but you are purchasing a home fifty to seventy-five thousand dollars less right now. Right. Mm -hmm. How long? Again, is it going to take you to save $70,000 at even $1,200 a month? And this isn't going to last forever. Most of uh, NAR's projections are worst case 2025 will be back in the fives. So let's take a full year at $1,200. That's twelve grand. Going into 2025, you drop your interest rate, and guess what? Now you purchased a home $70,000 less, and maybe you pay twelve grand more, but now the savings are still... Fifty-five thousand, or whatever the case may be, and at the rate that that homes what makes are, sense, guys? Well, and I was going to say, and at the rate that homes are going up, you buy now, rates come down, the market gets more competitive, more people are coming in, bidding higher. You have more on on per home. Guess what? That twelve thousand dollars that you just spent, if you want to, I guarantee your equity just went up. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so again, I'm a, not I'm not forcing anybody to buy. Again, no, my my no. businesses need to right now. And if you don't feel comfortable, fine. But if 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 you have the ability, I could show you how it makes sense, mm -hmm. and then we can move forward. If it doesn't make sense, it makes you uncomfortable, you know what? Hang on. Yep. It'll get better, and then we'll talk again, and we'll get into the bidding matches and the fight, and, you know, it's like a cockfight out there, and, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll see what's up. But yep. uh, for the time being, let's sit down and have an intelligent conversation of what makes sense, um, you know, financially, and, and if it makes sense, the long term, how much you're going to save in that. Because remember, a lot of people that refinance because I'm consolidating cars and this, this, that. Well, now you just put... 30 years on this and how much more are you going to buy? Same concept here, right? Mm -hmm. Just not on the refinance side. It's on the purchase side. You're going to finance an extra 75,000. How long is that, is that going to cost you long-term when you could just reduce it by $75,000? Mm -hmm. Now, maybe, maybe pay $1,200 more for a full year and maybe not because we're going to put you in a two, one buy down. So you kind of get best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. If you can fly that scenario, and if you guys are if if you guys are are listening, you can't see on the video that Jameson is just itching over here. He's, he's he's over here touching the computer, scrolling and going. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it that way. No, what I just got, I want to make sure people understand that like this the what we the issue we have is not a it's not as simple as oh rates are just gonna go down in a year, mm -hmm. right? Because even if they do, there's so many other things they're going to factor into people whether or not they're gonna be able to afford what they want in a year or two years versus right now, right? And to me, and Oscar made this point very clear, like you can get in somewhere now relatively cheap considering if you're in and the right financial mindset and you have the savings and you're willing to pay a little bit more on your mortgage, you can get things like buy downs. Uh, I think I looked at the stats so of home builders, 72% of home builder incentives are rate buy downs, mm -hmm. right? For new homes, that's, that's huge. Like that in and of itself, is a massive, massive opportunity. Five percent. Um, if you look in at the if you look at uh, the month of September, in just Den Denver metro area alone, okay, Denver metro area, we had, I think it was like seventy two hundred uh, transactions somewhere around there. Fifty six percent of homes took a price drop. Okay, we talked about this last week. 
I wouldn't even price drop my house if I was listing it. I would just offer more incentives. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, hey, yeah, we can cut the price by 10000 or we just keep it the same and say, with well, a full price offer, you get 10000 concessions. Damn, give Come bring 20. us an offer. Give Let's them 20 go. whatever it is. And, right? and you know the magical thing that there's still assumable rates out there? Exactly. If they, they bought, if they bought down payment assistance or VA, that gap's very, very small. Yes. Um, Come on, guys. But here's why it's not going to – the problem's just not going to resolve itself. Okay, so NAR, so the National Association of Realtors, has a home affordability index that they talk about. Okay, and there's a couple of assumptions. The assumption, number one, is the median income needed to purchase a home, a medium-priced home, median-priced home in the United States with 20% down, assuming that the buyers only want to spend 25% of their income on their principal and interest mortgage. Okay. The average on like a balanced market is 100, which makes sense, okay? Um, if you go towards the, when we we're in the pandemic, that bumped up to 167, which means they had a 67% cushion on those ratios. Right now, it's at 86%. So it's, it is the definition you know, of unaffordable. You know, okay? um, in the general public or the masses, um, you know, I, I can see how and why they use 20% down, right? I'm, I'm, I'm kind of, Taking back that NAR still uses that because mm -hmm. on average, how many people actually? I think the do, average right now is like 10, 10.5. Yeah, how maybe? many people bring in Something 20%? Like I mean, there's so many products out there, and then obviously FHA, three and a half, conventional 5%, and then there's portfolio products. I do wonder if they're, and then if they're taking into account uh, cash buyers. Right. And maybe that skews it a little bit. Yeah. Um, but still, you know, 20%, it's, it's been the standard in American financing forever. And mm -hmm. uh, it's just kind of crazy that they still use that stat. But again, um, bringing in 20% is probably your saving grace in this market right now. Right. Well, and I think if you have a big down payment. Yeah. And I think that's the the thing too is and and you know we talked about this previously as well, but it's we're in a position where the United States is not it's not cookie cutter. The markets are not the the same anywhere. Like one state is not relative to another right now, oh, right? right? So right. like 50 states none, I mean yeah. it'd be and few and far between that are similar. Right? And, we're, and what what we're seeing is especially in Colorado is you know especially compared to the past five to 10 years, more there's less people settling in, there's more people moving out in Colorado. And those people who are moving out are the ones that bought 15 years ago, 10 years ago, I mean, shit, even five years ago now, that got the equity and they're going, yeah, I'm going to take this and I'm going to go to Kansas. I'm going to go to Montana. And, and, and I've, I've talked to many people whose family members are leaving and they're questioning, hey, do I buy here or do, do I just leave, right? Just don't buy in Texas or Maryland. Denver is the 12th, 12th or 15th ranked metropolitan area as far as exodus mm -hmm. over 2023. Mass yep. exodus so. going on right now. Well, and, but at the same time, like that, it makes sense, right? Take your money and run. If, if you can and you're going to get a better quality life, go do it. But if you're looking at staying in Colorado and buying, knowing knowing the tactics, knowing what's going on, I mean, just in Colorado alone, when you look at inventory, it they can't keep up. No. Speaking of, of different markets, I mean, here in Colorado, we're dealing with taxes, right? Mm -hmm. um, what was uh, what, what went out the door? Um, Gallagher. Gallagher, Gallagher went mm -hmm. out the door, and now we have HH on the on the on mm -hmm. the ballot, right? Yep. And from what uh, Demar, no on HH. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's. I mean, it takes away Tabor. Yeah. Right? So there's. And then explain what TABOR is, another acronym. Yeah, well, TABOR is just the Tax Bill of Rights for Colorado, which essentially means that whatever Colorado uh, takes in in taxes, mm -hmm. they pay what they need to pay as far as their fiscal budget every year, and then whatever's left over, they then refund that to the residents of Colorado that paid that taxes, paid those taxes. The argument now is if HH passes, those refunds will only go to homeowners 
So it basically leads everybody else that's not a homeowner out in the cold, and they want to give it to homeowners to try and offset the property tax portion. But then it's going to further skew what we're Correct. trying to fix from Gallagher. Correct. Yeah. Well, right. and, and here's the cool thing. So, um, and I've talked about it before, Alicia, my girlfriend, she's actually a, she's a leasing agent downtown Denver, yep. uh, high rise building. And she came home the other day and she goes, Hey, they gave me a, like a market report. Can you, can you help me with this? And immediately I was like, hell yeah, I could help Give you with me this. It. <laughs> Let me look at these numbers. Let me right? take this apart. And the crazy part is, you know, we always talk about the correlation between the housing market and the rental market. And what we're, what they're projecting is that they are going to have a boom in not only units, but people renting. And so where normally they'd be terrified that they have too many units, now they're going, oh wait. We're gonna have a lot of units. The, hou the housing market is, is not doing good and people can't afford. We have a building <laughs> going in Castle Rock. Mm -hmm. That's mm -hmm. gonna be rentals. Uh, the, 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 all the community right by um, Wilcox, mm -hmm. that's all townhomes. Those are all rentals. Yep. It's, it's huge, but yep. at the same time, how, I, Rentals are expensive still. Yeah. Rents well, and it expensive. makes sense, right? Why are rentals expensive? Because if it's single family, okay, they're going to raise the market rent. And if more people rent, then you can you can charge more because it's a supply and demand. Except for Denver. On top of that, if I own a single family home and I'm paying property taxes on that house, and as my home appreciates that I'm renting, my property taxes are going to go up, in which case I have to continually raise my rent. So, the, the whole idea to me, and I just posted this on my Facebook store. If you guys follow me on Instagram, the Colorado real estate guy, rent and home prices have followed each other historically, mm -hmm. okay? And at the end of the day, the conversation just turns into, do you want to invest in yourself or do you want to invest in somebody else's property? doesn't mean you have to do it today, mm -hmm. but that has to be the mindset. So if you sit there and go, okay, you know what? I physically cannot afford to rent or to, to buy right now. Put a plan in place to buy later because what people understand and i've seen this argument a lot where it's like well millennials don't want to live in the same place so they like the flexibility of renting which i think is just dumb right well, and, and I, can, I can argue that point too yeah and here's why right i think grant cardone was one that said it and i just well I grant, grant cardone says he leases everything i know and but I he's like an uber crazy investor correct. and he doesn't tell you that he's investing on a hundred thousand other things that yes. are making a fuck ton of money yeah. but most people that make you wealth in the normal, u.s are real estate yes if you're based. a normal human being and you have your nine to five not job. Not Grant, because Grant's a fucking phenomenon, exactly. right? Right. It's he's he's a one percenter for a reason, yeah, right? Hundred percent. But the argument was, well, we want to be able to pick up and leave. I don't want to be tied to a mortgage and have to sell my house and so on and so forth. But the 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 funny thing to me is, if I'm going to live somewhere for three years, okay, we've already seen every single projection has changed, and even just in the next three to five years, the average home price appreciation is going to be around four to five percent. Mm -hmm. So if I buy something with a small down payment, three and a half percent, and I do want to move in three years. You can do one of two things. You can borrow against the equity of the house, and then you can take that money, pay off your debt, and go rent something in a different city, and then rent your primary residence out, and now you have an asset, right? Or you can sell it, and even after commission and closing costs and all that kind of stuff, you're still going to walk away with money <laughs> me, that you can me. then move to another city no, to I'm do itching. it. Right? Go I'm going to give you two scenarios. Yep. They don't want to live in one place. Again, the rents, you can rent it, whatever. How hard is it to break a lease? It's expensive to break a lease. <laughs> and if you break the lease, do you get your deposit back? No. Okay. Um, how hard is it to sell your house after you, uh, a year, right? Mm -hmm. In the lease. You're mm -hmm. tied down for a year. You buy a house yesterday. When can you sell it? Tomorrow. Boom. Faster. So the whole, they don't want to live in one place is bullshit. And, and guess what? You give a deposit. Maybe you get it back. You get, you put a down payment. Oh, appreciation you're not only going to get it back you may get a little more money back mm -hmm. pay your cards straight 
So I can argue till I'm blue in the face. Yes. I've seen it all. I've been in this business way too long. I can argue everything yeah. on both sides, positive and negative. But I, the whole, they don't want to be tied down in one place. If you're leasing, right. you're going to be tied down for one year. And if you want to break it, it's going to cost you money. Well, not only that, but if what you buy a house, if you, you could sell it the next day and make money. Yeah. And what happens if like your job changes? Like, oh shit, I have to be here for a year and like five months. Now I got to rent month to month, which is now 25% higher than normal rent. And I'm stuck or I have to sign another year long and lease. And most investors here in Colorado that I deal with, guess what? They have investments in other states. Right. <gasps> boom, boom, boom. You get relocated. You Now you have an investment in Colorado. Mm -hmm. you, see, you see it. You touch it. You've lived in it. And now you, it's an investment. You go do that in another state. But here's why I wanted to bring that point up as to why the whole renting versus owning thing is, is tough. And why I believe personally, right? Like you should, your goal should be to own something. You need to own something, okay? Like that's just basic, come to America and live the dream. <laughs> just own something. And the easiest thing to own is a house or a town or Americano because it's yours. You can use it. It can appreciate. And you can make memories. You can do all these different things. But why that's important is because the path back to what we would classify as, you know, normal affordability is very hard. And I've got statistics. Yes. Imagine and, and, that. And well, and that's something that, again, and I'm going to kind of, come loop around to it a lot of the times you talk to people right and and i like that jameson brought this up because a lot of the, every conversation is oh well the market's gonna tank and then i'll get a foreclosed home for this amount of money and it's like when i hear somebody say that my brain immediately shuts off and goes you you it's not even worth talking to you no. because you don't understand i run from that and right because right. at the end of the day it's it's just not it, that's not how it's gonna work correct you're and, not, and you're what not jameson, the person i want to talk to right and what jameson is about to explain is the is why it everybody's waiting for 2008 to happen again and, and correct it, it's not it's, going to it's, it's not it's not gonna happen but there's and, and it's not just real estate agents sitting here going buy a house because you know we want to make money it's, it's nothing like that yeah. it's strictly just the numbers the facts do and, not show that and they tried yes. that's why our rates are because they tried mm -hmm. to crash it a little bit yep but go for it James. go so for it why so what is it you know, if if the market's not going to crash, and yeah. we're not, and we're not going to see this amazing regulation that that's that everybody expects is going to happen, what what's going to happen, right? I mean, it, it's yeah, I need some more. Because at the end of the day, it'd be great. We we'd all love if it just if if it just crashed, and and then now everybody can afford a home again. But there's three factors, and we touched on it earlier. Yeah. That cannot and and will not allow that to happen. So go for it, Jim. Well, so we'll set this up. I don't want to beat a dead horse, okay? But the housing market crash, it's people overcomplicate it. It's supply and demand. Mm -hmm. That's huh? it. You can take whatever number you want. The fact of the matter is we're short anywhere from 1.5 to 4 million single family homes in the United States. Right? And that, that that's was a fact. The, the hangover of Two thousand eight, people right? just stopped and building. They stopped investing in builders. Builders went out of business. There was a front end cause and a back end cause. Yeah. The front end cause was that there were the financial sector, right? They Correct. were giving loans that sucked, two twenty eight, subprime lending. That caused mm -hmm. that shit to go. Now the surp the the hangover part is that so no one was buying all right. the foreclosures, all the short sales, and then people boomed out of Colorado. There was no building being being built here. Right. Exactly. So, and that's what or anywhere. caused the shortage. Anywhere. Anywhere. And then instead of coming back to work, people went to um, the oil rigs. They, they, yep. they didn't come back to Colorado, at least in Colorado, mm -hmm. right? Yep. And then that's what kind of skewed everything. And now we're here. Yeah. Go so if you look at, if I look at affordability and why I don't think affordability has got a long way to go, and this ties into Charlie saying that there's not going to be a crash. This is just statistics from a bunch of different Moody's economics, 
BlackRock, um, as well as Black Knight, all of them have these projections, okay? So just to get to an affordability standpoint, that makes sense. And again, we're talking about people spending what we would call um, uh, rent poor, right? Spending yeah, yeah. 30%, 30% or more, 30 or more of your over income. your income on either rent or, in, in our case, on uh, on a mortgage. I did that on purpose. It, it, it's actually opening up. This is, this is what would need I'm to happen it. for us to go back to normal historic averages of affordability, which means the median income can afford a median price home. <laughs> These are actually kind of wild. So if home prices just stay where they're at, okay, and nothing else changes, rates would need to fall to 3.55% in order to get back to a historical average if home prices stayed the same. We know that's not going to happen, okay? Mm -hmm. That was an anomaly. It will never happen. Probably in our lifetime, it will never happen. So there's Unless scenario there's one. Unless pandemic, we can't get a hold of them? Right, mm -hmm. exactly. Yeah. Unless, again, Black I think we learned from different it. Story. Probably not going to happen. I don't think so either. But that's what you print $15 trillion and pump it in the economy so it happens. Anyway, so that's scenario number one. That will not happen. Scenario number two, let's say home prices grow by 5%, which we think is going to happen based on demand and supply. History. Right? Rates would need to fall to 3.16%. Do we think that's going to happen? No. No, no chance in hell. Scenario number three, let's say prices stay the same but we get our wage increase by another 5% nationwide. Then REITs need to fall to a 4%. A little bit more realistic, okay? Uh, I think this year wages have grown to 5.3%, but inflation's still 3.7. So again, there's, there's nuances to this shit. There's levels to this shit, as uh, Nick Mills would say. <laughs> um, now let's say that if mortgage rates stay at 8%, okay, and they're just there for a while, and we want to get back to affordability, median home prices would need to fall by 35%. To about 265, we're at $413,000. Why is that not going to happen? Because again, supply and demand are keeping upward pressure on home prices. And then lastly, let's say rates stay at 8% and prices of homes stay the same, then wages would need to increase by 65%. Wow. Right? Mm -hmm. So the point of that is all of those scenarios, some of them are just, you can just X them out and say, this, this will not happen, right? I mean, Other 65%. Ones, other ones may happen, right? 65%, it may take three or four years. Like, and that's assuming wage growth is at, call it 20% a, a year. Lot. That's a lot. That's Historically, a that is lot. the highest it would ever be. So now you sit there and you go, okay, well, do I, want, do I want to try and get on this train now before it leaves the station? Or do I want to wait for the next train that may not come? And you know, what's funny is I had that conversation with myself when I bought this house here in Castle Rock. I said, do I, do I want to jump on this train now and just eat it? Because I was like, well... We can't keep climbing. We can't keep climbing. We, not only did we climb, we jumped and spelunked up. Yep. From and if, even if we do just keep climb, over the last 60 years, home values have doubled every decade, like clockwork, right? Like that's just what it is. And if I look at it, I go, okay, let's say I'm stretching my affordability a little bit now, but I've got a solid job, I've got a savings, I've got a financial plan, I've worked with professionals to make sure I'm in the right spot. And I then buy this house and yeah, my interest rates higher, my mortgage rates a little bit higher. But as I'm, as I'm continuing on this journey of home buying, I get a raise every year. Let's say it's five, 6% every year. Well, my mortgage isn't going to go up five or 6% no. every year. So now you're it's starting locked. to close the gap of your own affordability just by living in a home. And oh, by the way, that home is now appreciating. You owe less on it and less on it and less on it. And it will put you in a position, whether it's one year, three year, five year, 15 years, to turn around and go, okay, I got a $150,000 chunk of change. Now I can buy what I really want at a price that I really like. And that whole time, as everybody else is paying more in rent, 
well, my wages are increasing. I got a promotion. I did this. I did this. I put more savings aside, whatever it is. And you put yourself in a better position for generational wealth. It's just, it's a fact. I don't care what anybody says. Renting, to me personally, if you if your finances allow you, renting will never make more sense than owning a house. And you know what? I'm, I'm just going to tell you right now, JC would be freaking proud of you because that was one of the first podcast topics. Yeah. The family that came in with a thousand bucks and then bought a... Uh, another yeah. another yeah, property, one point two million dollar property. Yeah, and they put a chunk of change down. Absolutely. Yep. And that's 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 kind of been lost in translation with all of what's going on well, right now. And and I think this is what's what's important to note too is that great point with with what we have with what we have in society right now. We we people are pigeonholed into a Correct. group of like minded individuals, right? And we have this separation. Uh, or this mental separation, I would, I would say, where you have people who believe that they're being held down. They cannot afford it because BlackRock's buying up all the homes and the rentals are going up. When at the end of the day, in all reality, like... Which, yeah, institutional investors this year have gotten crushed. Oh, They've gosh. invested they lost, they lost their ass at off. a slower rate than yeah. they ever have in the history. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right? And, and, but now everybody's in the, same, in the same social media bubble and it's perpetuating this. Yes. It's not doable. I don't have the money. It's not doable. It's not doable. Instead of, hey, what, what are my options? Yeah. Right? And, and I, think, I think a key element of this is, unfortunately, we all, we all want what we want. And yeah. compromise is not something that, as humans, we are good at. No. But right. this is a compromising market right now. Mm-hmm. Like, if you, if you can get into a home with a good monthly payment that's down... But there are some things in the house that might cost you to fix yeah. over time. Do it because you own an asset. And guess what? You could take out a loan to fix some things and pay that over time. And, and I think what we, what, with what Jameson just said about, you know, virtually we'd have to have another perfect storm of, of, of a situation to where everybody would be satisfied with yes. home prices or interest rates or what you're earning, right? Well, just new builds alone, right? Yeah. We, we, we have come to the conclusion now that you got baby boomers who are aging in place. Okay. They got, we talked about Is that, is that a very, 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 very nice way of saying they're dying? In their own houses that they're not going to sell. Yes. But it's because, and we talked about this, I think it was the last episode, 64% of homeowners have at least 50% equity, but 35 of them, 35% own their homes outright. They're not going to fucking move, right? Mm-hmm. They're good. They'll just reinvest the money. You've got Gen X, which is like me, Oscar. We're locked in at what? What's your rate again? Uh, 2.875. Yeah, I'm at a 3.125. Am I moving? Hell no. Why would I move? Okay. Hell no. I need no. to because I already own my home and it's an asset. But I'm going to address the haters. Okay. Because I know as soon as I post this and you post this, somebody's going to Hey, hey, I'm going to post it. I'm, well, I've no. Been, I've been pretty like, shitty at posting, okay? <laughs> I've been a little busy. I'll post what, it too. <laughs> what I'm saying is as soon as somebody listens to this, the first instinct is going to be, well, you guys are just realtors and you're just trying to convince people to buy no. when it doesn't make sense. No. That is what it's going to say. Here's what I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to use my own personal experience. And I'm going to so tell sorry, you, if I, it doesn't I make wish, sense, I'm not going to do it. Exactly. I wish people knew me before, before my real estate era, because if you did, you'd be looking at me and be like, Charlie, what, what are you talking about? You used to be right. long-haired hippie and you know, like, screw the corporation. It's like, no, man, I learned. But here's, <laughs> here's, here's two facts that I know to be 100% infallible. You cannot prove me wrong. Number one, U.S. credit card debt hit what? $1 trillion. Whoa. Number two, the average U.S. household has $1,000 or less in their savings, okay? Those are two facts. Now, you tell me if you, are, if you fit those two bills. Let's say you've got a shit ton of credit card debt. I think it's on average like $25,000, $30,000, and you have less than $1,000 in your bank account, in your savings account. 
give me a way that's not I'm going to invest in Bitcoin, Bitcoin or something else <laughs> that's going to make you enough money to pay off those debts. It's give me even, a way. Let's like, not even talk about NFTs. Literally, and give what me, there. give me a way. Give me, give me a way that it doesn't involve in investing in some fucking moonshot shitcoin. Give me a way that doesn't involve you getting three different side hustles and taking feet pics on OnlyFans. Give me a way that it doesn't have you and your wife and maybe your kids working two extra jobs to save that amount of money to then pay off that credit card debt. Give me a way Street that without owning a home, you could do that. Because here's what I also know to be true. Even right now, I'm at a 3.125%. If I had the credit card debt that was on average what it looks like with the rest of the United States, I would... Two, I would do two things. One, you can take out a full second mortgage now mm-hmm. and keep your first mortgage and it can go in first position. It's a 30 year. And you can take that out and you can pay off your credit card debt. Number two, let's say I am at a 3.125, but I've got $150,000, $250,000 in equity in my house. I can take a HELOC out at a 7.2% and I can take all of that money and I can pay my credit card debt that's at a 30%. And I would actually save money or be break even on what I was making as a monthly payment before. I can only do that if I own my fucking house. So, you cannot do it renting. You can't do it renting without having three jobs. My, and you can't do it renting with only having $1,000 in savings. And people are going to say that we do this because we're forcing people to buy. No. no. We have personally firsthand witnessed, whether it's ourselves or our clients, when you get into a home and you have that very steady payment and your house is appreciating, it can be life-changing, especially when it comes to debt management. I will never sell you something that I want to sell myself. Right. I won't sell anything that I cannot sell myself on. When I, I mean, bought, you're passionate there, but I, you know, no, it's mm-hmm. it's true. And and when I bought, I had a little bit of buyer's remorse. I was like, oh, it wasn't an uptrend. Mm-hmm. And I bought, I bought, you know, it was top of the market at the time, and you know, it was uh, it was a little lull when I did buy. And thankfully, JC and I hit it off. So he called me up, and we we made it happen. Right. And I was like, oh, buyer's remorse. Let's, all right, let's do it. Let's go. Dive in. Got it. Got the house. And I did just that. I got a HELOC. Still when rates were low. I was like, you know what? I'm going to ride this train. Yep. I'm going to get a HELOC just in case. I actually did it because I was finishing my basement and all that. Now I've invested. I pulled the money at stupid, stupid rate on a HELOC. I mean, this credit union gave me a 15-year uh, payoff. Uh, pull from it for five years, yep. and if I were to use, all, let, let's say I use $130,000 of that HELOC, guess what my payment's going to be? At the end, on a 15-year? Oh, yep. Fuck, dude, I don't know. 280 bucks? $480. Yeah. And, and guess what? I cleared off a few debt credit cards. So that, that was my point. You know, and, 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 and it's at a 5% interest rate. Yeah. And hopefully, if things go good, I could pay that back in less than 15. Yep. Yeah, we bought a house right after we got married. And the money that I spent in my house is going to, re- yep. If I were to sell my house right now with the full basement, the shit that I did, oh man, my house added is bedroom, worth. added bathroom. I added two bar. bedrooms, yep. bathroom, bar, media room. I added a bunch, and it just helps the equity in my home. Yeah, we, put, we, we paid off $32,000 in credit card debt that we averaged a 21% interest rate on. By taking a HELOC out at four and a half percent because I own my house and I'm paying interest only on that. And we've actually set aside the money that we saved on the credit cards that we're no longer paying and are almost paid off on the entire HELOC in a year versus Boom. 15 years. Mm-hmm. You can't do that Mm-mm. without being able to own. You just can't. No. And that's why, hopefully, what you guys saw, like in order for us to get back to normal, it's it's a Herculean effort. 
So don't use that as an excuse to not explore that option. And guys, it's a lot easier at, at least to go for, the easy route than it is to go the And at least for me, it's not me trying to, hey, I want to sell real estate. I want to sell real estate. Yes, that's what I do for a living. But it's like, come on board. Do what I'm doing. Yeah. Let, let me show you how I did it. And, you know, there's other industry people uh, that are like, hey, let me show you how I'm I'm making passive income, Correct. which is another another um, you know portion of this. But yeah, we didn't it, touch on that. I mean, bare minimum, I want you to come on board and do what I'm doing and see how it's helping me and my family out. Well, and so we we've we we thank you guys for coming in on a conversation that we have on a regular basis and sitting with us. Jameson, I see you have something pulled up on the screen. Is there one more thing that you want to? Yeah, I think the the whole th when people are talking about this, right? Then the next question is, well, Jameson, Oscar, Charlie, when the fuck is it going to be normal? Mm. Okay, what's a normal market? What's a normal market? Like, normal? when is it going to normalize? When are we going to start to see? Because again, to, to reiterate, right? There's three things that are going to drive affordability: it's home prices, interest rates, and wage growth. Of those three, the easiest one that's going to move is probably wage growth, but it's yeah. also the slowest, right? Mm -hmm. But it has the least amount of headwinds i guess you could say right mm -hmm. home prices have a shit ton of headwinds mortgage interest rates have a shit ton of headwinds wage increase not as much right because we're starting to see we obviously see the economy is humming along record profits those will get reinvested into into the workers and whatnot so if we were to say okay when do we think this is going to start to normalize now remember we said that home prices are going to probably appreciate at least five six percent every single year that's important to note all of those things working in concert the best scenarios that we've seen is around 2026 is when you're going to see wage wages come up high enough rates come down just enough and then new build construction to catch up with what the demand is but that's 2026 guys that's two and a half years and in two and a half years if a six hundred thousand dollar house is now a seven hundred thousand dollar house and your rates came down from an eight percent to like a six percent but that unlocked five million buyers that are all now competing in that because they have fomo it's going to cost you more in two years than it would now and it goes back to what i said yep Full circle. So, um, I, I agree hundred percent. And the thing is there is no such thing as a normal market. Mm -mm. I've seen it evolve. It's always it's a evolving. Market. It's a market. It's, a it's market. always evolving. It's not going to go back to, there's too many, there's too many, factors there's too many factors. Apply. I mean, and, and, and again, you know, you, you name three and then what, what do people do as soon as they get a raise? Right. They go buy shit. Exactly. And, and mortgage and all that stuff is probably not one of the things that they do. You know, I'm, you know, I just got a raise. I'm gonna go buy a trailer. Yeah, I just got you, raise. I'm gonna buy another car. <laughs> so that, that right there has its skewed percentages yep. and, and it's okay. So we'll, we'll go down that rabbit hole, but, uh, it's just the market's going to do what the market's going to do. You just got to know what you're doing and talk to the right people. You know what, Oscar? That sounded a lot like a one rock takeaway. So I think it's a, uh, <laughs> right. and that's going to be mine. Well, I think, I think it, yeah, let's go ahead and move in, move into the one rock takeaway for today's conversation. Um, Oscar, you, you, I'll let you reiterate it. And, and, uh, you know, I'm not even go back to talk to the right people, you know, um, weigh your options on your, what, what, what you think is best for you and then go talk to an expert. That's it. Mm -hmm. Jameson? Uh, I'll reiterate one of my favorite lines. Time in the market will always beat timing the market. To Oscar's point, there's no such thing as a normal market. It just depends on when you get in and how long you can ride that train. Um, I, I'm finding myself less and less inclined to just listen to people go, well, we're just going to wait. And normally, like, I'm not a sales, like, I am a salesman, right? We're, but this is, this is a consultative business. I... I go back to the, if you're going to wait, just make sure you are backing that decision up with the best possible information 
and the best possible advice from the best possible people. Because there is a lot of scenarios that you're going to have to wait. You come to me and we're like, you're going to have to wait. Or you you make sense. You Go rent right now. But if there is if there is a scenario where you we talk about it and you look like you're ready and we talk to a lender, I'll push. And I'm not pushing because I want to sell you a house. I'm pushing because I've firsthand seen what owning a home does to every single one of the clients that I've actually sold a home to or helped buy a home or help sell their home and unlock equity. Like it is when we say life changing, it is life changing. Like that that's just it is what it is. And people are so less stressed when they realize like, hey, I got a fallback. Like I've hey. got something tangible that I can use or I can leverage or I can do whatever. So it's not me saying, hey, you know what? You need to buy right now or you need to sell an upgrade right now because it makes more sense than it will in two years. However, based on your factors and your specific scenario, that could very well be true. Without an asset, can you pull $100,000? Maybe business Ill- Illegally, <laughs> sure. Okay. But with an asset, how easy it is to... Hey, tomorrow you'll have a hundred thousand dollars in your pocket. So this is where for, for my one rock takeaway, and this is, you know, this is something that I deal with on a, on a regular basis, especially being in the industry, right? I want to talk directly to everybody that is in the position of renting and, and, you know, saying this market is, is not, is not conducive. I can't do it. If you can't, you can't. Right. And guys, I go through the imposter syndrome all the time. I sit with two phenomenal real estate agents that own assets. I am the one out of the three of us that still rent, right? And I feel your pain. I get it. I, I, wanna, I wanna build a house. I wanna start growing with my significant other and, and have an asset and do something. But as of right now, as I'm trying to build two separate businesses and my girlfriend's starting a career, it's just not doable. And I'm sorry that that's the reality, but a lot of the time, that's what you have to do. Look in the mirror. And be honest with yourself. Is it, would you rather be angry about how it is or take the time to learn it and understand it and create a plan that's going to get you there? And I'll be real with you. We're probably not going to buy a house in the next two years, but I'll damn well know how much I can afford by the time I get there. But that's because I'm putting in the effort. I'm learning. I'm trying to see what is doable and listening to people around me that I have that have done it and have the experience. So if you're not willing to compromise and you want to stay in a place and you love it like I love Colorado, Learn more, teach yourself more, talk to people because it may not be possible now, but it is going to be possible in the short coming future. You know, it's crazy. You're in the realm of if the right opportunity comes across my desk, his desk, mm-hmm. he will be in that realm. Yep. And that's, that's, a, that's an important point, right? Like we always talk about results equal preparation plus opportunity, yep. right? Well, if you, you can have the opportunity, but if you haven't prepped yourself or educated yourself to recognize what that opportunity is, It'll pass you by. And, and a lot of surprised. people don't live, cut yourself short. Yeah. A lot of people yeah. live in that that negative mind space of it'll never happen to me. And mm-hmm. I, I can just see opportunities just passing them yep. by. Yep. And then all of a sudden in five years, it's like, man, I really wish I'd have gotten that train. Yeah. And we're gonna sit there and I'm not gonna tell you I told you so at all. I'm not that person. But at the same time, like I wanna give everybody an equal opportunity to utilize myself or Oscar or Charlie for our knowledge and for our our savvy and for our ability to, <clears throat> to network and to find opportunities for people and utilize it. And if you don't like that's on you guys. Yeah. Sorry. Well, when, when I was under contract on the house in the meadows, um, I called my roofer, trust him. Great guy. I don't trust anyone else. Step on my roof and tell me that I need a new roof. phenomenal dude. Great business, huge company. While he was inspecting that roof for me, he said, Oscar, I know you're the expert, but is now the right time to buy? 
I mean, you know your shit, but really? You're going to buy in this market? Oh, boy, is he eating crow right now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, my God, is he eating crow? And yep. he actually just did my roof because we had that hailstorm. Yep. And he was like, dude, your house is dope. Yeah. <laughs> right. I was like, yeah, but well, remember when you were telling me you should buy? My monthly buy? payment's even more dope. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. And, and yeah. Again, like I said earlier, guys, thank you so much for, for sitting with us for the hour and talking about it. Because these are hard conversations, yeah. right? Yes. The main three things or two things you don't talk about is money and religion. And right. we're sitting here talking about your money and what you're able to do as three guys sitting on a couch. Yeah, and they're, they're not really hard conversations. They're fun conversations. Let's make them fun. Let's right? get them out of the mm-hmm. ugly and make them fun yeah. hey you know what can you yes no and then let's just take the nasty out of it and let's let's talk some numbers that's point i love exactly. numbers. i love numbers well phenomenal episode guys thank you for for the conversation as always the information i think now is a really good time to move into the bourbon review for today's episode and uh i'll tell you this is a I, this is a sleeper you know what this reminds me of hmm. johnny drum yeah because mm-hmm. we, we bought mm-hmm. it and we're like it's a product of willick mm-hmm. eh. Yep. And it was actually pretty yeah. fucking yep. good. Well, and I don't know if you guys noticed, if you're watching the video, um, you, you couldn't see it, you couldn't hear it if you're listening, but Oscar halfway through took the took the cap off. And I think that hands, like that's a tale for this bourbon in general. Like the first time when I, you know, took the first sip, I was, I was amazed that it was 113 proof yep. and it was, wasn't as ethanol heavy and, and it, the burn wasn't there. But I was still a little bit skeptic because mm-hmm. the, the flavor evolved, but not a lot. Mm-hmm. Sitting here open, I, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it brought in a maple yeah, taste yeah, to it. A little it, bit it, more it sweetened it up. The sweetness. Mm-hmm. Oh, it, it turned into candy. Yeah, That's why when you put it back, I was like, oh, it, it's yeah, tasting right? better as it, it <laughs> opens yeah. up. Well, yeah. and not only that, it, it's, it, I almost feel like the char came through more. It did. Like the, 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 did. Like the, the, the flavors became more pronounced. Yes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and obviously that's what opening up does. But it just goes to show that like and evolved. If you it was great, right? Yeah. If you if you go and you pour out a, and you pour out a bourbon and you, and you judge it off the first sip, you're, you're getting the wrong thing because yep. I, my my rating now is totally different. Yeah. From what from when we first started. You know, when you buy a bourbon, a new bourbon, you're probably gonna have to sit there, and and you're gonna you're gonna drink. Yep. You're gonna drink a good portion of that bourbon yeah. to understand that bourbon. Now, if you have a bourbon that it's your go-to and for me, it's Elijah Craig. I could have one sip and know what I'm going to get yep. mm-hmm. because I know that bourbon. But like this one, I'm glad I, this is what my second pour. But when I, 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 I poured the second pour and it was already opened up a bit, I, I it was like a like, different, it was a different glass. Yeah. Well, abs- I mean, it was even, a different, it was even, a different bourbon. Even on the notes. Like, yeah. you know, I said at first that you have that wheat forward. Now I'm getting punched with that sweetness mm-hmm. right, right on the nose. It mm-hmm. turned to a very sweet. And that's why I said, let's not put the cork back in for a few reasons, but Letting it just breathe, yep. It, yep. it turned into a different bourbon. Yeah. Turned to a way different bourbon. And again, it's, it's funny because, you know, when we first started the podcast, and, and for everybody who's been watching, you know our rock rating is on a scale of, of 1 to 10 based on how many rocks or how many ice cubes you put in the bourbon. But as we start exploring and we, and we taste these bourbons, I mean, I think the last two, two bourbons where we were like, wow, this is good. Uh, we were just sitting here like, damn, I don't know if I'd put a rock in it. You know, right. like it's it, and so it's hard to rate it on that level, but still, I think that, you know, having had now forty-four different bourbons from mm-hmm. we can even say brown bag up to premium, a you're 70, welcome for that one, right? a seventy-five dollar bottle that we were not blown away mm-hmm. by. It's it's been an it's it's been an extremely interesting journey with the bourbon to to see the complexity and give it time treat it yeah. treat it with a little bit of respect you know yeah. <laughs> because don't just don't just open the bottle go into it go into a good bourbon with 
a mentality of study. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like you're going to open a book, you're going to study the book. Mm-hmm. You're going to open it, you get you get the neck pour. Hmm, okay, drink it. Actually, and then you're going to let it breathe. You're going to have another pour. I want to drink it. I, it's opened up so well. I want to. I'm going to get one of the water droppers that we have here. And I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm and while you're doing that, water. I'm going to have a bone to pick with you. Yeah. Charlie, you're, 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 you're a jerk. Let me tell you that much right now. I went, I went, I I went and had ice cream with my kids this weekend Uh and my two year old, two year old licked her ice cream and said, "Mm, ice cream. So good. (laughs) I hate you for that. Oh, that's great. If you don't know what we're referencing, we're talking about the, uh, the AI trend (laughs) on social media where it's like, they act like a, uh, uh, act like a robot. Really. I was sitting there. I, I looked at my little girl, and then my my son's like, "Ice cream, so good. Uh, Ice cream." Right. I'm like, "Sure, oh, Charlie. <laughs> I fucking hate Charlie right now." <laughs> oh, that's amazing. And and it, it brought that's up when you said ice, and I yeah. was like, "Ice cream." I I, it, it, I was like, I'm, "Next time I see Charlie, I'm gonna tell him." Because it was like, "All right, so it's the AI, right?" And it was like 10 o'clock at night, and this this one that we're referencing is only on twice a day. It's like noon and then like eight o'clock Eastern. So whatever. It was perfect timing. And Charlie's like, send. She was on. And I picked it up and I was like, what the fuck is this? And then I was on for like 20 minutes and she's like, ice cream, so good. And it's oh, thank you. you. And then gang, 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 gang. And I'm like, what the hell? You I start can't stop. Yeah, you just get sucked this? in and it's and like, I can't believe it. You're like, how many fucking times is she going to say gang gang? Yeah. And I was like, I can't. Why is never... she popping popcorn with a hair straightener? Yes. I want to know. The whole time. Yes, seriously. And now it's like, Just... I can never get those 20 minutes back. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's over. And then I go have ice cream with my kids. And my two-year-old's like, mm, ice cream's so good. And then my five-year-old's ice cream's so good. I'm like, I fucking hate Charlie right now. Oh, man. No, but dude, right, so seriously. One oh, drop good. of water in it. The burn's almost gone. Uh, very, I mean, again, sweetness punches through. Yeah, that's a totally different, totally different bourbon. It's delicious. Like it's, I like it. Dropping the water in it, sweetness is there, but it's almost like a sugar on the palate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a, oh man, it, it, it definitely just explodes that, that, that sweetness. And that sits and that lingers a little bit more with that drop in. Oh man, still a lot of wheat, still a lot of spice forward, but <coughs> that, that back end, that, that smoky maple sweetness punches through and sits on the tongue real heavy and sure. i would love a good cigar with this one yes yeah. I, oh my god absolutely with the a sweetness Maduro? oh Maduro? Uh, a, a, a dark wrap cigar with this would be phenomenal oh, yes phenomenal well i'm gonna go ahead i'm gonna take one more sip i don't know if you guys want to take the rating first but i'll take the rating okay, i'll take go a good it. rating um i didn't know what i was grabbing um actually hold on before price point how much was the bottle if you had to guess what would you guess I can't. I I bought this bottle before, so I can't. okay. If I had to guess, I would, based on other other bourbons that we've had, fifty five. So the, um, from this liquor store, they they have okay prices. They don't have mm-hmm. the best. You could probably get it for a better price. Um, I paid forty eight dollars for it. Hell yeah, forty eight dollars for I it. I mean that that and the reason I asked is because that that does play into my ratings. Oh yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Just like with the the basil Hayden tenure. Yeah, exactly, exactly, and and I mean. Like I would cook with this, yeah. Especially, yeah. you know. I, like, I so what, what did I make? I made um, a barbecue sauce this weekend, mm-hmm. and I, I added some Elijah Craig, and then I added some, actually some red wine that we really enjoyed, and I made a good barbecue sauce. And I, I, I uh, would, yeah. This, I, it, I it think was good. If you did like, it, it would it, lend yeah. itself well for a barbecue. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, 
All right, so Oscar, what's, what's your number on it? You know what? For this one, um, if I would have had to, if I had to rate it at the beginning, I'd probably be like a solid five, um, just because it was it was okay. It was kind of earthy, which is not my jam. And as we sat here, and I took the cork off for a reason because I was like, oh my god, it's actually evolving pretty fucking good. I could sit here and drink the rest of this bottle today. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm gonna go with maybe three and a half, man. It's a damn good bottle. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I, I, I'll go ahead and, and, and take a second on it. I mean, exactly what you said. I, I you know, the surprise of it at, at first, absolutely. I was like, oh, okay, another, another small 113 batch. 113 proof. Yeah, another, mm. another, another small batch. But 113 proof opens up well. I'm a sweet, sweet person. Like, uh, you are a sweet person. Thank yeah. you. Thanks. You know, precious. Have personality <laughs> and heats Reese's <laughs> a lot. But um, it, it's, yeah, this is, for me, I, I think... I think I'm actually leaning more towards like a, towards a three for yeah, this. Damn. Especially after I dropped that that one drop of water in. Yeah. That, yeah, definitely, definitely going on a three. I, I would, for the price point, for the flavor, the complexity that you get out of it, and again, just that, the sweetness, but it's almost like a, a sour tightness on mm-hmm. the tongue. I I vibe with this heavy. I, I like this a lot. Yeah. Three. It's, it's I, definitely a good gem. I, I I'll, I'll sit on. I think I'm gonna give it a three. Yeah, I think it's it has a really good balance between that charcoal flavor and sweetness, which I like. Mm-hmm. And I like that because, you know, it, it can pair with – because I also look at it from a cocktail standpoint. Yeah. This would go well in almost anything. Everything. Else can make. Absolutely. Everything. But I think it's because it has that balance between sweetness, especially if you let it open up. Mm-hmm. You know, if you serve it as an old-fashioned with that single – rock yep and then you have a little bit of bitters and a cherry like it'd be great if I, I would a, a probably Manhattan. cut a little bit off the simple syrup i wouldn't do any simple syrup yeah, yeah. i really would see this is one that you'd have and, to and do it's crazy because right? i want the charcoal to come through because but, this or, is 113 or, proof well i was gonna say this is syrup and you smoke it well i was gonna say this okay. is one that i i definitely think that you have to do if you're gonna do an old-fashioned it's a sugar cube or sugar, actual oh, sugar, okay. over, over a syrup. Yeah. A- absolutely. Because I agree. It, it won't, you know, the syrup is going to be way more concentrated and open it. But this one for sure, right. a, a legitimate or even like, I would love to have this in a true whiskey sour or a New York sour where you add the port wine on mm-hmm. top mm-hmm. with egg whites. This 100% like this. I, this Dude, would you lend fucking itself. nailed it. Yeah. 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 This would lend itself yeah. 100% But to that. because of its, its, uh the variety of ways that I think you could enjoy this. When I think of bourbon, I'm like, okay, well you have your ones that are, they have a lane, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, this is what we do. Stay in your lane. And they stay <laughs> in their lane. I think this is good enough that it lends itself to a lot of different bourbon drinkers. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, even if you're a, a newer bourbon drinker, having this in a cocktail, I feel like if I pour this, you're going to love it as you know, uh, as like a New York sour, for, mm-hmm. for example, with this versus a New York sour with, I don't know, call it Basil Hayden's, like mm-hmm. you will notice a difference. Yes. Oh, well, hell I mean, yes. Just, just spices you know I mean? in general. Like the, yeah. the spice forward like, on this would would blow away a Basil let, Hayden. Yeah. Let's take out the watered down shit. Basil Hayden is not as complex as this. No, I, 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 even the tip. But that's my point. Like, <laughs> yeah. But I could do that. Then I could turn around and pour it neat for somebody that really does enjoy bourbon. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, this and is And really he'll appreciate thing. it. Yep. So, I mean, I'm going to go with a three. But, honestly, dude, yeah. God damn it, you nailed it. Yeah. No no simple syrup because I'm a simple yeah. syrup dude. But yeah. A sugar cube. This with be, a sugar cube? Yeah. Nailed it. This would be yeah. great. Yeah. 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 I, I agree. If you got, as a bartender, if you're drinking your whiskey sours and you don't have egg whites in it, you're missing out. A flip? Oh, you got to have a good flip. Well, I was going to say the fats and the egg whites adhere literally to the sugars it opens it up it gives you a way more complex flavor mm-hmm. and if you pour a little bit of port wine on top of it give you that bitterness with, with that little tinge of sweet 
one like I I legit I want to make a a new. You need a flip in your life. Like yeah, (laughs) it's phenomenal. A good flip is phenomenal. mm. Well, guys, so I think it's a a three from Jameson, a three from me, three and a half from Oscar. I I Oscar, great pick, man. Great great random pick. Great random pick. This is this is phenomenal. So if you guys are out looking for some bourbons and and you want to try something and you enjoy bourbon. Or if you want to make a cocktail, definitely check these guys out. Like Oscar said, 40, 49 bucks, 48 bucks, depending yep. on where you are. Yep. Um, but just like these guys, where you can find them online anywhere else, you could also find us on social media. You can find us on YouTube. Uh, Oscar, where can they find you on social media? OscarTheRealtor.com, OscarTheRealtor.co, OscarTheRealtor.co.tr. Nice. JMO? Uh, the Colorado real estate guy. That's it. <laughs> That's, That's where it. you can find me. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok. Heck yeah. Apparently, Oscar is a common name, and there's a lot of realtors out there, so I had to like CO it and all kinds of right. dumb shit. So. I am at that lifting agent, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Facebook. You can you can find me at Charlie Sardelli, um, or follow my video production page because this is what we're doing here, right? Yep. Or send um, him some Lululemon shirts, extra yeah, medium. Right? Let's go. <laughs> well, guys, um, if you want to get in contact with us, don't forget you can always reach out via email and phone number. Email is resotr at themilehighperspective.com. Give us a ring. Phone number 303-578-0263. And on YouTube, guys, we're living in Colorado, the Mile High Perspective, powered by Fathom Realty. And we're all located here in Denver, Colorado. So if you guys have any questions, please let us know how we can help. And you know what? I got to give credit to these two. I've been super inundated with the real estate shit. These guys have been holding down doing uh, neighborhood spotlighting. Um, They've been been really doing some good stuff. So, hey, guys, cheers to you. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And everybody, follow along. If you want to have a conversation about real estate, let us know. If you want to argue with us, let us know, too, because at the end of the day, I'd love to educate you. We'd love to educate you. We'll argue, but we still love you. Exactly. So on that note, cheers. We'll catch you on the next episode. Salud. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Real Estate Served on the Rocks. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and for the weekly video version, subscribe to our YouTube channel at Living in Colorado, The Mile High Perspective.